This is Chargers Unleashed Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dan Wolfenstein and Jake Hampton. Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake Hefner and Dan Wolkenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, being brought to you by UFC Fit and Temecula, Charger Bolt Family, and Bet Online. If this is your first time tuning into the show, you could, of course, hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. Dan Wolkenstein, good morning. Good. We are this much closer, <laughs> which is not much from our last show. We are of training camp. so close. We are so close. Welcome to Chargers Unleashed. We are live on a weekend edition. Um, Jake, I don't know if you have your coffee or whatever it is that keeps you awake in the morning. My go-to, my friend, is Watermelon Monster. It's just definitely, Watermelon Monster now. Definitely perks me up in the morning. Noted. Noted. For everyone who is in the chat live with us, welcome to Chargers Unleashed. This episode is for you. We want to make sure there's as much engagement and interaction with you as possible. You can give us a call. You can give us a text to 31032 and submit your questions. You can comment in the chat as we continue through this episode. Lots of fun stuff to talk about. Chargers Unleashed Hotline. We're trying something new today where we're actually going to do live hotline. So give us a call, 323-374-5651. And you can submit your questions. You can call us. And we'll answer live. No idea what's going to happen with that. I know it's kind of purgatory time, Jake. So it's a little quiet on the Western Front. <sighs> like I so, said, like I said earlier this week, man. Thank God for Stranger Things. Thank God for Marvel content. Uh, thank God for just other binge-worthy shows that I have heard about that I have started to fill <laughs> this gap because football needs to get back, and it needs to get back now. I can't stand it anymore. It sucks. I agree. I agree. Uh, Shred74 gives us the lightning bolts. Welcome to the show. Uh, ben has some questions about fun things to do in SD. If you're visiting there, Ben, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, guys, you have a ton of fun stuff planned for you guys today. We are going to go into underrated players on this team. We've seen the smoke from folks outside the organization talking about a Derwood James, talking about a Khalil Mack as being quote-unquote overrated, which is blasphemy, which we'll get into. So this episode, we want to kind of talk about the underrated players on this team. Maybe folks are not kind of sleeping on these guys. But Jake, before we get into that, let's pay the bills. Bet online. There's the there's the open right now. I don't know if you're watching it. Uh, there's the open right now, and the UFC fight, uh, UFC fight night has officially kicked off because I believe it's overseas. So it's early fight time today. The main card actually starts at 11 a.m. if you guys are interested in watching that. But our partners over at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including Major League Baseball, the latest in UFC fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head on over to the website and use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online where the game starts. So in addition to the topics that Dan was talking about as far as we we thought we would flip the script, and as Dan mentioned, with the, let's just call them really hot takes, possible clickbait that came from Chris Canty yesterday on ESPN. We're going to flip the script, and, and you know Dan and I have talked about guys that we thought need to have breakout seasons, um, you know, second year, second year players that are going to be coming into their own. But we want to flip the script a little bit and talk about guys that are either not getting talked about enough or are just still the underrated players on this team. And on top of that, we want to hear all your guys' comments as it relates to as we're getting close to training camp, what you guys are looking forward to, to seeing who you guys believe is still labeled as an underrated player on this team. Let's talk Chargers football. Dan, what do you want to start with? Before Chargers football, we have some folks here in the chat already. Uh, Envy Talent says, Morning Fools. I'm going to take fools as a term of endearment. Jake, what about you? Yeah. Yeah, I'll take it. Uh, Guilty is charged. Friends of the show are in the house. Uh, Friends of the show, welcome, guys. Uh, I think you guys have a live show coming up as well. So after this, tune into theirs uh, this morning. Uh, Camp Smith going crazy right now. I have a bet going on with a bunch of family. Victor Hovland is the guy that I have winning. I just saw him make, uh, I think it was a birdie putt. So uh, we'll see. Hopefully we win. Uh, let's see. Manny619, love this podcast. Ross Ackerman, 
Good morning, gents. Uh, Renee has a question. Before we get into the things to do in San Diego, Jake, there was some rumors and stories going around this this week about how correct about Sean Payton coming to the Chargers. And there were three destinations that he was interested in, one of which was being the Chargers. Renee asked, how credible are the Sean Payton rumors? I'll, I will answer this way. Yeah. They are credible. Not a chance in hell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, did, did he say this? Sure. That's been what's been reported. And if I was Sean Payton coming off of my tenure as the Saints coach, where I had Drew Brees for the majority of my career, I would look to Justin Herbert as well to say, yeah, I would love to coach him up in Los Angeles. However, I just don't see that happening. I think the team is fully invested in Brandon Staley. I think you've already seen the narrative in the team change since he's been here. You've seen the changes from the coaching staff that he's put together, what he's done with Justin Herbert's development. All those pieces are just in place and moving forward at this point in time. So, no, I don't see Sean Payton being the next head coach of this Chargers team. No, and I did find it. I think I tweeted about this when it came out, but I find it fascinating, Jake. There's still those Telesco haters out there who are oh, they're there are clamoring they're there. about like Telesco needs to get fired because his roster sucks. And much like the easy Easton Stick enthusiast, those Tom Telesco <laughs> haters are still out there. It's incredible that a coach of the caliber of Sean Payton is wanting to go to the Los Angeles Chargers. Like, imagine a world ten years ago where there were coaches clamoring to come to the Chargers because of how good this roster was. So it's kind of ironic <laughs> how people hate on Telesco, yet he has built probably one of the top three and arguably the best roster in the NFL. I mean, look, it, but by no standpoint are we trying to say that Tom Telesco is the best GM in the league because he's not. Is he flawless in all of his moves, whether it's through the draft or free agency? Absolutely not. <laughs> but when you think about the the position that he has put this team in now alongside Brandon Staley. I, I think that he did moves that he ne- normally would not do. And obviously he had the benefit this past season of having the most cap space that he has had since he has been the GM. So that's also been a nice luxury to have, but in terms of how he's switched the narrative of building this young talent, obviously going through a number of different head coaches during his tenure here, I think he's found something special with the camaraderie between him and Brandon Staley. And together, I think they're putting together one hell of a roster. Yep. Envy Talent comes in here. And a good quote. Four words. In Staley, we trust. You could also say fourth in Staley. Uh, for folks who are interested, you can get 25% off at LAFB Network Shop. Use the code UNLEASHED. You can get your fourth in Staley t-shirt. Uh, I've got mine. You can also get a fourth in Staley hat. I forgot I was wearing this today. Um, support your coach. Who honestly, Jake, I would not be surprised at all if Brandon Staley becomes more than just a coach on this team in the future. Not necessarily next year, but I can see him kind of having that talent to where he can do more than just coaching, which we've seen a lot. Uh, Okay, back to the earliest question, Jake. First one we had, fun things to do in SD. For folks who are not in the San Diego area, (laughs) there's a ton. Whether it's if you're a foodie, whether it's you like to go golfing. Whether you like to do things gas like lamp district, the zoo, you got to want to go party, got gas. Got to hit up a Petco game, even if you're not a Padres fan, you still have to go out and experience that stadium. Arguably the best stadium in the country, Petco Park. Uh, you got the beaches, you got Carlsbad, you got Ocean Beach, PB, La Jolla, Del Mar. I mean, you take your pick. Uh, fun things to do, but I would recommend if you're going to go up to the Del Mar area in Cardiff, there's a place called Seaside Market. I would check out, they have Cardiff Crack. If you had not heard of it, now you know. Um, it's insane. Go to check out Seaside Market in Cardiff. And then um, Lucha Libre, taco shop slash burritos. Love it. Um, okay, enough about food. Enough about San Diego. Um, let's see here, Jake. So let's start it off. Underrated, underrated players going into this season. Kick it off. You know I'm going to start I'm going to start with a guy who I still doesn't think gets talked about enough and I think that that whole narrative is going to change by the time that we hit training camp by the time that we hit the beginning of the regular season and that's Gerald Everett. I still think that when everybody's talking about these big weapons on offense, you know, you have your Mike Williams, you have your Keenan Allen, everybody's talking about the the next step up from uh Josh Palmer what's expected of him for this coming season, but from the tight end perspective, you have a guy like Gerald Everett doing the things that he can do to replace 
the void left by Jared Cook, to pair him with Donald Parham. And again, the stats have not been anything spectacular for him throughout his career since he entered the league in 2017. Again, this is a guy who's never had over 500 yards in, in receiving. So the stats don't necessarily pop out to you. But I think what Brandon Staley and uh, Joe Lombardi see from him in this offense and how they can utilize him. You saw how he was used sparsely in, in Seattle, not just from his, his yak capability, from his end around capability. There's a bunch of different things that you can utilize him on, on the offensive side of the ball. And I think when you pair him with a guy like Donald Parham, with Austin Eckler, with Keenan Allen, with Mike Williams in this offense, and with Justin Herbert at the helm, I think they're going to look to exploit his matchups as much as they can. So I think you're going to see a huge bump from Gerald Everett in stats this year. Obviously, may not, maybe not skyrocketing above 500 yards, but in terms of production, in terms of touchdowns, in terms of utilization in the red zone, when you still have two big-bodied guys in Gerald Everett and Donald Parham, you use them in two tight end sets from the 20s to the goal line. I think he's going to be a super valuable asset that still not a lot of people are talking about. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, everything you said is is true and correct. Um, I will also um, kind of double down on the yards after the catch, yards after contact. That is one thing that I believe the Chargers have struggled with the most over the last few years is getting kind of like that easy yards, quote unquote, um, easier than like having to go catch the ball and all that kind of stuff. Like just if you could break a tackle, get some easy yards. And that's something that Gerald Everett is great at. Like he's a above average athlete and he can kind of is a jack of all trades. And one thing that he, I think will bring to this team is that yards after the catch tough yards that gives you, oh, I should say easy yards, but through toughness and that physicality, I think is going to show through him. Envy uh, talent puts the name for Vato. So Michael Davis, uh, I do not have him on my list, but we could talk about him for a second. So Michael Davis, and it's a weird predicament that he's in, Jake. Like, he went from kind of like a, a rising star in Los Angeles. He gets re-signed to a three-year contract. And then all of a sudden, like, in comes Santi Samuel Jr. In comes J.C. Jackson. In comes Bryce Callahan. He kind of has a bit of a down year in the new system. And then now we're talking about him as a, from a CB1 to now CB4 yeah. in a lot of people's eyes. It's like when Captain America woke up and said, oh, God, what year is it? You know? <laughs> Yes. You've been asleep, Cap, for 80 years. Oh, hey, you're CB4 now all of a sudden. What in the hell happened? And it's all, and it's the crazy part now is to think like it's more likely, in my opinion, that he's not a Charger in 2023 than he is a Charger in 2023, just given like the roster construction and his cap hit. Paying for a CB3 or four at whatever it is, eight, nine million dollars a year, that's a tough pill to swallow. I, I just don't see that happening. But the Chargers, if they can get a bounce back breakout year from Joey, from Joey Vato, from Michael Davis, from Vato, uh, Chargers are a business. If they can get production from Michael Davis outside of Asante Samuel, outside of JC Jackson, outside of Bryce Callahan, like sign me up four corners deep. Yes, please. Yeah, again, it's it's an interesting predicament, especially just when you look at the over. Overall cornerback room, when you look at J.C. Jackson's size and Michael Davis's size, you know, those are things that defensive coordinators really want to salivate over, when, especially when you're talking about two smaller guys in Bryce Callahan and Asante Samuel Jr., even though their play may be better, but still just from a standpoint of having bigger bodied guys like that in the secondary is, is a huge value. So again, him essentially going in one season from whatever you want to call it, from a CB1 or slash CB2 to now a CB4, it's going to be an interesting year for him. And like Dan, I don't necessarily have him on the underrated side, but we definitely did put him on the list when it came to players that need to have a breakout season in order to stay on this roster. That's for sure. Make or break season, essentially. This is true. This is true. Friend of the show, Ken Mary, Charger Bolt families in the house. Ken, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Uh, for folks who have not had a chance, go check out the Charger Bolt family uh, chat. They actually are on Facebook. They have all kinds of memorabilia, uh, fun community to be a part of. You can get stuff signed from the likes of Keenan Allen, from Derwin James, from Justin Herbert, Joshua Kelly, Kenneth Murray. The list goes on and on and on. 
Uh, great squad to be a part of. Check out Chargeable Family. Um, Manny619, who, whose impact, excuse me, would be greater? Pipkins having a decent or average year or Spiller stepping up and having a good year at RB2? This is actually a fascinating question. Both of those things I think we'd like to see happen. But in my opinion, there's a clear answer of what needs to happen. Go ahead, Dan. And I think it might surprise you. I think it's Spiller. Oh, that was not what I was expecting. No, okay, I know. Go ahead. Okay, because, I can't wait to hear this. Now, the reason for that, Trey Pipkins, I think, is going to have kind of an average year. Like, I think that's, I, I think he was average last year, if we're being honest. Like, maybe a little below average. But the Chargers can make do with that. They can scheme around that if he's not able to perform at that level. Like, Justin Herbert still had an MVP caliber season when he didn't have a right tackle, if we're being honest. So I don't think that that is as crucial as everyone is kind of fearing. And if you have a bad right tackle, yes, I know, the Max Crosby game week 18, that sucked. But now that we have less holes on the offensive line, you can scheme against that. You have a Zion Johnson right next to him. You could bring a tight end. You could bring a Josh Kelly over there if he makes the team to help with pass protection. What you can't do <laughs> is produce an RB2 and spell Austin Eckler when there is no RB2 behind him. The last few years, there just has not been any assistance from this running back squad. It's been Austin Eckler and then no one else. You're fumbling at the one-yard line, i.e. Josh Kelly. You're getting two yards per carry, i.e. the rest of the running back squad. You're hurt almost the entire season, i.e. The, the rest of the running back squad. Like You're going through attrition all year, and Austin Eckler is the only constant, and because of that, he's kind of getting a little beat up. Now, the guy's pound for pound, probably the best, most physical running back in the NFL, but give the Chargers a second running back of the likes of Isaiah Spiller. If he can come in and produce at average to above average level, this Chargers offense completely transforms. Because before, when it was Austin Eckler running the rock or taking it out of out of the backfield, when he's not on the field, you did not care who. If you're a defense, you did not care who the other running back was. They're not going to throw to him, and they're not. They're probably not going to run it very well because he wasn't very good. And their offensive line running game wasn't great on the right side. Now, bring in Isaiah Spiller and hell, bring Isaiah Spiller and Austin Eckler at the same time. I think an RB two productive season means far more in my opinion, than a above average right tackle only because of the surrounding cast. See, I'm going to go the opposite with that, Dan. And I, I say that just because I, I'm, I'm excited to see what Spiller is going to be bring to this running back room. I've been on record multiple times saying that I think that Justin Herbert is not going to be as productive as he was last year, but not for the wrong reason, specifically because I think the Chargers is going to put more of an emphasis on the running game and trying to not have Justin Her Herbert play hero ball so much. Get us into a position where we can run the ball and grind down the opposing defense. And especially if you can get a two-headed monster like Austin Eckler and Isaiah Spieler to be productive, then that's going to be a huge valuable asset for this offense. But Dan, at the end of the day, who's blocking for the likes of Austin Eckler and Isaiah Spiller. I mean, how many times could you remember last year of a productive run being had to the left side as opposed to the right side? And on top of that, from the right tackle perspective, it just controls so many aspects outside of the run game from Justin Herbert's protection. I mean, it really took a shot to the Chargers offensive line when Ode Abushi went down last year. Because even when you had Brian Bulaga go out after the Washington or Washington football team, Washington Commanders game last, whatever you want to call it, your the right side of your line was still serviceable. But when he went down, it really just opened things up on that right side in a bad, bad way. We saw Storm Norton get exposed so many times. Um, and now with the lights, it's it's interesting to think, Dan, if you did not have Zion or uh, excuse me, Ode Abushi go down last year uh, with as productive as he was being, think about this. We may be living in a universe where Zion Johnson is not your pick at 17 if he did not go down because the way that he was producing was extremely positive for this offensive line. But to the right tackle spot, with everything that we've been hearing that's positive about Trey Pipkins, Dan, I think if you can get get him to match the athletic capabilities that he has and just grasp the technical aspects, the fundamentals, and 
hold down that right side. I think having a guy like Zion Johnson is going to help that immensely. But you lock down that right side of the line, and it, it immediately it makes your obviously it protects your quarterback a lot better from both sides, and it gives your offense a little bit more versatility from especially a run game perspective on we're going to go both ways and not just rely on our all-pro rookie going to the left. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, it's going to be important. We'll talk about the right tackle position in a second. There was a question that came in. We'll get to it. Uh, Shred74 asks a question here. What Chargers backup would most likely have a breakout year if, knock on wood, the starter went down for an extended amount of time? This is an interesting question. What Chargers backup would likely have a breakout year if the starter went down for an extended period of time? Uh, I think some eyes could go immediately to Josh Palmer in that circumstance, if you were to think that. Um, I'd be interested. I mean, I already know that their expectations are high for him, and I think they're going to utilize him in the defense a lot, but that would be Mark Webb if anything happens in that. But I still think he's going to be utilized a lot more, even in the starting rotation, than than we would think. Um, JT Woods is another one. Thank but I you. Think, I think JT Woods, if he was to be brought in, and let's just say, for example, if he was to be bringing it, um, replacing Nasir Adderley, then it is going to affect your defense as a whole because you're not going to be able to utilize Derwin James in, this, in the same circumstance as you would. Maybe not as much as you would because this is what everybody has been saying this kid has been drafted for because it gives you so much more flexibility on putting Derwin James all over the field. Yep. I was actually, I, I was wondering if he meant to do this uh, knock on wood. Like, I don't know if that was a, a play on words, knock on woods. Uh, I would have said JT Woods, actually, um, because I I think as a, as much as he is a backup, quote-unquote, I think he's going to provide instant production on this team. And I think he's going to play himself into, not maybe not a starting role, but into like productive snaps that you would probably not see from other ones that come in as rookie. Um, another one I would say, I think this might just be purely based on opportunity, but Kenneth Murray... I think could have an opportunity. Like he has a ton of stuff, but he's not the he's not the backup though. He's he, now going to be the starter. Is he? I I highly doubt we're going to see Kenneth Murray as the the linebacker with the most snaps. Like Drew Tranquil will have more right. than him. Okay, so now who's Kyle playing Van, next? To him? I think you'll have Kyle Van Noy playing next to him. You you think Kenneth Murray's going to be starting? I no, I don't think that. Look for first off, I I don't think that Kyle Van Noy. I mean, I know that he is versatile enough to where he can play edge or whether he can play linebacker. I do not believe that unless it's an emergency scenario that someone has to go down for that they're going to have Kyle Van Oy play linebacker. I think they're going to still keep him exclusively as edge three. So I think that, again, this is why I have been so timid about the linebacking unit. True. Because of the fact that you have Kenneth Murray coming back off the injury. We know the dismal season that he had last year. And with the expectations for him this year coming in to essentially replace a guy in Kaiser White, who had a phenomenal year last year, there's huge expectations for him. And the fact, let's not forget, Dan, you also invested a first-round pick. You traded up for this guy. So how can the Chargers not, whether you agree or disagree with that fact, go into the year with the depth that you have behind you (laughs) and who's left on the roster? How can you not? essentially put everything into the Kenneth Murray basket. And that could be a good thing or that could be a bad thing, however you want to look at it. Envy talent. <laughs> I had a bit of here. Fayoko, if then he comes in here afterwards. I don't know how to spell his name. It's Fahoko. Jake, do you see him providing an inst- providing kind of a production that we might not be recognizing? You know, th- this is actually a good segue because Brennan Fahoko was another one of the guys that I had kind of more as the underrated players that we were going to be talking about on this list. And I, I definitely think when we get down to final cuts, I know everybody's had their differences in, um, you know, how many defensive linemen the Chargers are going to keep, which ones are they specifically going to keep? Uh, I've seen ones where Brendan Fajoko was the odd man out. He didn't end up making the 53 in some people's projections, but Brendan Fajoko, especially if we're talking about run defense is one of the most underrated players, especially along the interior of this defensive line. Last year, given, you know, the, the lack there of a production from Linval Joseph, from Justin Jones, Brennan Fajoko 
just kind of under the radar, put together statistically one of the better run blocking or excuse me, run stuffing of interior defensive lines that were on this roster. And let's not forget, the Chargers were essentially in the bottom three in run defense last year. So he was one of the bright spots when you really break down the statistics. So I like the idea of Brennan Hoko sticking with this roster. I hope he does. I think if you were to be rotating out Sebastian Joseph Day or Austin Johnson or Morgan Fox, whatever combination it is, he's a key piece from a depth standpoint that I think to answer two questions, one is underrated, it's not being talked about enough. And then two, from the standpoint of if there was anybody, God forbid, that would go down from a starter perspective, that they would have a chance to step up and, and make a good impact. Jake, Philip Tranter has a, a comment here. The right tackle situation is getting crazy. Are they just handing him the job? I'm assuming they're referring to one Trey Pipkins. Does it feel like to you that they are handing him the job or does it feel like he's earning it? I think, well, you could you could look at this from one of two ways. Some people could look at it as Trey Pickman's getting handed the job, or you could look at it from Storm Norton essentially lost the job when you look at the play from him last year. And even Brandon Staley kind of subtly in a way was saying, you know, after, I can't remember if it was the Cowboys game or after the Raiders game, but he, he said some comments like to say, you know, I think Storm kind of got an idea of where he's at. I think I'm paraphrasing there, but that was so much his, his line. I think that the work that Trey Pipkins has put in, and yes, even in the small sample size against the games in Kansas City and Denver, that he stepped up in a big, big way and had the two best careers or games of his career thus far, it was a huge improvement and a lot of, and a lot of positivity to build up on to say, if we can give this guy the shot, based off of what he did for us last year in those big-time games, can he put it all together? And hey, so far, he's doing all the right things. You're training with Rashawn Slater and Duke Mannyweather. You're going out and you're learning the fundamentals. You're fixing the things that have essentially plagued you since you have been in this league. So I think mentally, he's better. Physically, he's better. And as a technician from an offensive line standpoint, he's going to be better. So I think it's more Trey Pipkins is earning it rather than just being handed the job. I would agree. I would agree. We're continuing the most underrated players on the Chargers. We heard some people talk crap about the most overrated players on this team. So we're going to flip the script. Most underrated. Jake, I think one that it's refreshing to see the the play, but it's kind of infuriating to see people kind of sleep on him. A one to zero Adderley. You and I loved what we saw from him coming out of Delaware. He got injured. He was he kind of was a little slow starting at the gate. And even last year, you know, with the few folks that few times where he was in position, you think of like the Terry McLaurin should have been an interception, which turned into like this miraculous McLaurin catch. I don't know what the hell people want from Nazir Adderley, but like, <laughs> well, dude, I do know that they want him to catch a few more interceptions. Okay, fair. I, I think we could all agree. Fair. That's fair. fair. But Nazir Adderley has been a darn good like safety. He had, I think 75 ish tackles last year. He had, I think he was in the right position. His run support, I think, was far improved. I think his instincts were showing there. He was a tad behind where his, there were some times where it looked like he was thinking a lot. And it, he would be like a split second because he's kind of out of control trying to get somewhere at the last minute. But Nazir Adderley had a pretty damn good season last year. Like, I want to say he had, like, for, from PFF perspective, I think he had in greens, both run defense was a 70.7, overall 66.2. Covered 61.3 and pass rush 91.6. Like, in my eyes, that's a pretty darn good safety. If you have him next to a Derwin James. Like, Nazir Adderley, I think, is a very underrated player on this team. Again, one of the other players that we talked about that is going into a contract year that he's going to be balling out this year because he knows money's on the line. I would take Nazir Adderley. The other thing that you, uh, I, I thought you were going to mention there, Dan, because I, I think it was 73 I'm, solo tackles, by the way. Okay. Because I'm right with you just in terms of the season that Nasir Adderley played last year. But you know what it was? It was everything on Nasir Adderley since he's come out of college has been the perfect pairing to be with Derwin James as far as a free safety, strong safety combination. And he was supposed to be the ball hawk type of guy. 
But outside of that, obviously, there were a bunch of interceptions that kind of just went through his fingertips on a number of occasions. But the physicality mm-hmm. that he played with last year, you go back and you look at some of the hits that he was laying on, guys. He brought a real physical uh just sense to his game last year that I think he can build on moving into this season. So yeah, I definitely would agree here as far as Nasir Adderley being one of the more underrated guys of this defense. Chorizo con papas, which honestly sounds amazing right now. Adelaide took a major mm-hmm. step in his tackling. He was horrid two years ago, really improved. Uh, you can't argue that. Hey, friend of the show, Hefe Kansas City here mm-hmm. talking about the Chiefs again. I love it the wouldn't be a Chargers Unleashed live podcast without our resident Chiefs troll, Hefe Casey. And, but you know, you know the Chargers are on something when you have like opposing fan bases in our live chats just be on a Saturday morning. Yeah. <laughs> we'll take it. Uh, Ross Aikerman, I love the Nas Blitz. He's so fast. I agree. Ross Aikerman, 99 total tackles. Yes, that was combined solo and assists. Uh, Brian Yates comes in. Defense going to hold up. I would agree. Uh, Jake, question came in about Derwin, actually. Uh, someone texted in uh, to the hotline here. Let me pull this up. We've got, sorry, this is live. Uh, Jerry Walker came in with a question. Uh, shout out to Jerry for tuning in. What's up, Chargers Unleashed and Bolt fam? Hi, I was wondering, when do you guys think that the Chargers are going to extend Derwin James' contract? If so, how soon do you guys think they can get a deal done before the season starts? So, Jake, maybe two parts to that question. One, will the Chargers re-sign Durham James before the season starts? Two, when? Okay, so this is a good transition. So if anybody who follows Daniel Popper like Dan and I do, if you're if you're a Chargers fan and you're not following Daniel Popper, I don't know what you're doing. But <laughs> he actually answered this question as far as when he sees this possibly being um, getting done for Derwin James just two days ago. So he kind of put the deadline, Dan, and he and he measures this off of a barometer of other contracts that either did happen or didn't happen. But he basically said, in his words, in, the, in his article, that the Telesco rule is that he does not, he does not talk contracts after Labor Day. So the Melvin Gordon situation... After Labor Day, he never went back to it. Negotiations were happening up to that point. Once Labor Day came, he stopped it. And obviously, we know what happened from there. Keenan Allen, Joey Bosa, when they got their contracts done, it was before that Labor Day mark. I think it's similar to what Popper is saying. I fully agree here. I know the expectation is they want to get it done as soon as possible. If it doesn't, then obviously, Derwin would have to be betting on himself in terms of having a healthy season and obviously you know, could even get a higher contract number from what he's what was originally possibly thinking of. And now, of course, the market has shifted with Minka Fitzpatrick getting his huge contract number. So in January, Daniel Popper predicted this again. He projected that Derwin James was going to get an extension at five years, 88 million, which is basically 17.6 million per year. I'll take it. <laughs> I would take that in a heartbeat. In comparison, Minka Fitzpatrick just recently signed a four-year, $72 million extension, which comes out to $18.2 million a year. Yep. So that's 17.6. I think you're going to have to go a little bit higher on the original projections that Popper put out in January. But I know there's some things that are not shaking out the way that Bengals fans would want for the Jesse Bates contract. And you do have a bunch of safeties that are coming up on contract years. So especially this is just one that, we as Chargers fans would just like to get done, get out of the way, much like the Mike Williams extension when you saw what that took place, as opposed to right before all the wide receivers and free agency just started going berserk. In comparison, it's a deal. (laughs) It's a steal at this point. Christian Kirk's contract to Mike Williams' contract, it's absolutely ridiculous. So, yes, let's get this done sooner rather than later. And if this barometer is true, let's get it done before Labor Day. I've been on record for a few weeks now that I, I have a hard I, – I feel that it's going to be happening similar to Joey Bosa. And I, and I think Steve Hagelin from the Guilty as Charged crew, I think, thought the same thing. I think he replied to one of, my, one of my tweets about it. Like, I think Derwin and Joey Bosa are probably the two most important, or at least, you know, from a drafting perspective, two most important players drafted by Tom Telesco for this defense. And I think either of them, they'll basically open the bag for. And – 
if I'm Derwin James, I'm kind of doing the same thing Joey Bosa. Now, I do think Derwin James is maybe, I don't want to say more dedicated to the Chargers because obviously Joey Bosa is, but like he's outwardly more emotionally invested in the Chargers, it feels like, as a leader than Joey Bosa is. So I I would love to see Derwin James walking up day one training camp and you hear news, Derwin James gets resigned. That's what I'm I'm going for the day before or day of his first presence at training camp for Derwin James. Okay, weirdly enough, again, we're going through most underrated players. If you guys have any that you'd like us to discuss, put them in the comments. Go ahead and text us 31032 or give a call on the Chargers Leash hotline. Um, weirdly, Jake, there's been a ton of comments in here about folks getting like old school Chargers jerseys. So I don't know if you've seen this, but I'm going to put a bunch of these here. So wing- I, look, I'll say this because <laughs> I'm seeing Legadu Nane jerseys in there. And this just may be just throwing smoke right now, just trying to get a laugh. And if it is, it's working. <laughs> if it's true, then how much did you pay for it? <laughs> Honestly, Wings of Fatness got my Ryan Matthews jersey today, bolt up. Then later on, we've got I got my Manti Teo jersey in route. <laughs> And then, like you said, first off, got my Donald Bartler jersey oh, coming. God. Blot up. I, I Blot think- up. <laughs> hey, man, we all make typos. You know, it's all good. No, but and then Wings of Fatness, of course. Oh, dang, you hot that day. Oh, man, that's nice. And then someone else with the leg of like you said. Uh, question for you, Jake. Willie Bowen comes in asking, what are your what is your opinion on Xander Horvath in the backfield? Alongside Austin Eckler. <laughs> Eckler. Uh, I said Thank this you, earlier on this week that I fully believe that Xander Horvath is going to take over the starting fullback position. I don't believe that Bobby Holly, uh, or excuse me, why did I say Bobby Holly? Bobby <laughs> Holly. Bobby Holly is who I wanted, who who I wanted a couple years ago. See, my brain is already off. Considering that I really wanted Bobby Holly instead of who we have on the roster right now in Gabe Neighbors, but um, that just shows you where my thought of the fullback position is at. But Xander Horvath, yes, should be taking over uh, Gabe Neighbors' position at the fullback, and I say that in a multitude of different ways. From the standpoint of you, kind of saw it last year from how Steven Anderson was utilized as the fourth tight end on this roster. He was utilized a lot as essentially a halfback, and how they were able to utilize him coming from the fullback position. And running a route to where he's going upfield, Herbert finds him and he goes off for 20 yards. So I think Horvath, especially from a catch perspective, brings a lot more versatility to the fullback position. Obviously, he's jacked. I would love to see what type of blocks he's going to lay on people. I, he's he's not going to be Mike Allstott, so don't anybody get like overly excited about that. But I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to do from a blocking perspective and from a catch perspective, because I think the Chargers liked his versatility and much in the same way that they utilize Steven Anderson. I don't think they're going to try to utilize him in the same way. Yeah. Uh, see, I, we talked about this in the last episode of how many people we are going to have on this squad from a running back slash fullback perspective. I think there's going to be four running backs and one, fullback and I think it's going to be Xander Horvath um and I I like it I like him I think he's going to beat out Gabe Neighbors um although Gabe Neighbors is you know very good friends with Justin Herbert uh I'm not necessarily sure that that's going to go as far as he'd like it to um someone in here Jake Fly Baker compares Darwin I think he means Derwin to Rodney and I'm assuming this is Rodney Harrison do you see a similarity between the two? I think we're talking physicality-wise, sure. But, I mean, how you can use Derwin as more than just a safety, to me, surpasses Rodney Harrison in spades. Physicality-wise, yeah, I'll give it to you. But the chess piece that Derwin James is on this defense, is it just goes over the moon in that circumstance. Okay, so question for you. So someone came in here. Actually, this is interesting. Um, there's two questions around Justin Herbert, and someone actually wonders about Justin Herbert being underrated, given him. Some people say he's outside of the top ten. Um, Trezo Cone Papas, can we say Herbert is underrated? Since some execs 
think he's not a top 10 quarterback. Well, are, are these the same execs <laughs> or head coaches that thought Rashawn Slater couldn't play tackle because his arms were too small last year? He didn't have to I go know, to center. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I know what team they're playing on. And I'll tell you this, it's not a very high ranked team. Um, no, I don't think we can say that Justin Herbert is underrated at this standpoint. Uh, there's, there's, it, there's really nothing much more you can say after a 2020 rookie of the year campaign and the year that he put up when everybody was expecting him to have a sophomore slump in his second year. So no, I, I especially with the weapons that he has around him now, there's no way you could say that he's underrated going into the season. I, I just hope that whoever said, whoever said that Justin Herbert is not a top 10 quarterback. I hope we play that team this year. I would love to see that. <laughs> yeah. Please, please underrate Justin Herbert. That's fine with me. Uh, let's see. Eckler is criminally underrated outside of fantasy leagues. Again, we've heard that all week. Uh, Austin Eckler was, I think he's an honorable mentions, right? I believe he was. I think, he, yeah, because I think he was just outside of the top. I 10. think he and Keenan were both honorable mentions in their p- respective positions. Um, I mean, dude, Eckler, 20 touchdowns and not even a pro bowler like that. That's hey, a definite. That's a definition. I don't, I don't, I don't want to say just outside of fantasy leagues because yours truly had him on his fantasy team and he ended up winning the whole thing. So, yeah, if even if you just look at it from a fantasy perspective, how could you ignore the stats of how, how valuable he was to this team? Yep. Uh, Shred 74. I missed Denario Alexander. Those oh. were exciting times for the offense. Jake, do you remember those days? I remember those days fondly because I picked him up <laughs> off of the waiver wire back in that day. But I remember when he just came in off the street and the first game that he had, it was just kind of like, whoa, this was amazing. Remember, he only played essentially a half of this, of that year with the Chargers. And everybody was stoked about him the following year. And then training camp hit and he went down and the rest was history. And yeah, it just sucks. felt so bad for a guy who had so many surgeries on his knees that was not able to, you know, have enough health to make a, uh, a good run for an NFL career. We're going to take one more question here before we get back to the most underrated players that Jake and I have come for this 2022 season. Jed Jacobson, how good does an offseason feel without panicking about kicker and punter? So, Jake, are you panicking about our kicking situation, kicking slash punting situation? And then regardless, how do you feel about the offseason? What are some feelings that come to mind? I mean... This is probably the most secure that we as Chargers fans have felt about the kicking situation in what, at least four years, maybe five years, however, however you want to take it, considering who was our starter at that year. I mean, you go all the way back from the days of Nate Kading, you have your Nick Novak days, and then essentially it felt like you had a different kicker every two weeks because nobody could put it together. And especially it felt really bad. In the days of when Josh Lambeau was inconsistent for us, then he goes to Jacksonville, and then all of a sudden he starts putting it together, and it felt even Young worse. I was just going to say that it felt even worse when he was inconsistent with us. Now he's just killing it in Atlanta. So we're just dying over here, just wondering where could we find a reliable kicker. And thankfully, last year, the Chargers made a move in free agency, and you go out because Dustin Hopkins was released, and he came in and for – he was essentially money for a good majority of his kicks. So finally you have some stability in that circumstance when it comes to the kicker. So no, I'm not worried. But in terms of the offseason as, as a whole, Dan, it, it goes down as one of the most impressive. And I still have to say on paper because we haven't seen it. And as Austin Eckler like to remind us during mini camp week, paper doesn't play football. So on paper, it could arguably be the most impressive offseason that the Chargers have ever had when you're combining the free agency moves that they did along with their draft selections, what Tom Telesco and Brandon Staley have able to put on this roster in essentially a two-year span. It's incredible. Yeah. Uh, Fly Baker, are you excited that Mac and Bo's on the same line? Yes, very much. No, actually, I hate it. I'm going to go the Chris Canty route, and I'm going to say that Mac is, uh, is over. No, I'm not going to. Uh, so is Joy Bosa. Joy, Joy Bosa is also overrated. We're, ecsta- we're ecstatic <laughs> that he's going to be part of this line. 
Uh, Jake, all right, so most underrated players. So I'm going to go with one. Actually, sidebar, real quick, before we get to that. Um, we, we talk about the kicking game. Like, does it bother, does it concern you at all that we have not seen a lick of J.K. Scott punting the football? Like, I mean, not that we haven't seen, I mean, we've seen him punt, but like in terms of the NFL, like we, we have not seen any Chargers. Now, again, how important is punting? On this team, I don't know. But, like, that's half of the team. That's half of the special teams that, like, our punting game, remember last few years, like, every time it felt like we were going to get blocked or we were blocked yes. or it was a bad punt. Do I mean, I think I feel better about him than I do previous years. And, and the special teams coaching staff has talked about how impressed they are with him so far this year. But, like, does do you have any concerns with the punting stuff right now? I'd be more concerned with just the overall special teams unit blocking for whoever the hell it is that's kicking the ball. Because if you can fix that, you can essentially fix the punting aspects in a big, big way. I mean, how many times over the last couple of years have we had punts blocked, our punters run into, our punters almost killed because people are just coming up and walloping them? Um, You fix that first, and that's going to better the punting situation, I guarantee you. Um, yeah, there's not a lot to go off of JT, JK Scott right now, but, uh, time will tell on that. Hopefully that doesn't end up being the weak link as it relates to the special teams unit. I do wonder if there's something, you know, I think Ty Long, great dude. I think he's one of the best personalities on this team. One of the things that I kept seeing over and over and over again is it felt like it took forever for him just to make connection with the football. Yes. Like from catch to kick, it just felt like it was taking forever. And I hope that that's something that the special teams unit is working on with J.K. Scott, that that's not a problem. Like, just get the ball out. I don't care if it goes 20 yards. I'd rather go 20 yards than minus 20 yards. So, like, I, I hope that's the thing. Okay, back to the topic at hand. Most underrated players on this Chargers team. All right, so Jake, everyone talks about Derwin James, Asante Samuel Jr., J.C. Jackson, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, Kyle Van Noy, Sebastian Joseph Day, you know, for a good reason. But you know who they're not talking about, and I think that is going to be fun to watch, is a Drew Tranquil this year. Drew Tranquil going into last year, after coming off of the injury, sorry, going into two years ago, excuse me, was looking to have like a Pro Bowl season. He gets injured week one. That sucked. Comes back last year. New scheme. A bit tough. Uh, played okay. Not great. But Drew Trank will come into his second year on this team. I, I think he's going to surprise a ton of people. And I think he's being criminally slept on by... Not only folks outside the organization, but even folks who are Chargers fans. Like, how? When's the last time you heard someone talk about Drew Tranquil? And two years ago, he was like one of the most talked about guys in this team. Now, that does speak to the level of you know uh, talent on this team now. But like, I'm Drew Tranquil to me is one of my favorite linebackers in the NFL when he's on. And give him instincts to give him a second year under his belt for this Brandon Staley defensive scheme, like. It's it's hard it's hard not to get excited about this defense when a Drew Tranquil and his speed, athleticism, smarts is like the seventh best option on this team. Like that, I don't know. Do you think he's underrated? I think outside of Chargers fans, and even in some circles, he could still be under underrated and not valued enough. And I and obviously, it's all based upon. The biggest question with him is health. You know, he had injuries concerns when coming into the league when he was drafted. And we know what two years ago felt like when he went down really early in the season, what this defense looked like without him. I think if you can get him back to what he looked like in his first year and how he was able to not just play that linebacker spot in coverage, but you put him in a position to where he could shoot the gap on a blitz. He's fast enough to where he can do that. You get him back to that type of form of obviously not just from a health standpoint, but how your defense can get creative enough with him. 
Now, the Chargers, obviously, last year when it came to third down was absolutely horrendous when it came to stopping those type of conversions, Ugh. albeit through run or through pass. It was just horrible from a third down perspective. If you could start getting some of these opposing offenses in a third and long situation more often, I would like to see Drew Tranquil flying around the field because he's capable of doing that. And he's essentially now is the true leader of this linebacking unit if he wasn't already last year. So I think he's ready for that challenge. I think as a player, he has an amazing football acumen and IQ. And if you can get him back to that form, that'll play huge dividends for this defense. Agreed. Craig Smith, I apologize. I did not see your comment about Drew Tranquil. But... Thanks Good for, to hear from you, buddy. Thanks for joining. Good to see you. Hope all is well. All right, Jake. So I have gone over. We've talked about Kenneth Murray. We've talked about Drew Trank. We've talked about Nazir Adderley. I don't think we've talked about offensive players yet. Uh, I know we're wrapping up this episode. Jake, who are some of the other underrated players you have on this team? I think he will continue to be, no matter what stats he puts up, it's not going to matter. Outside of Chargers circles, in the media, he's not talked about enough. Some people do, thankfully. Some people have taken notice. Keenan Allen, I think, unfortunately, is going to be one of the most underrated players until the day comes where he is retired. I do yeah. not think that he is going to get enough notoriety before his playing days are done. Uh, regardless about what you want to say about the guy, he is just a phenomenal route runner in this league. One of the best. When you hear other guys talk about their route running, they talk about him. Even Keenan Allen and Devontae Adams share kind of a camaraderie with each other on how they mirror their game off of what they want to do. And I went back, Dan, and I was actually catching it a couple days ago. I actually went back to the first meeting of the Chargers and the Kansas City Chiefs, if you remember how that game ended last year. Uh, Keenan Allen was just an absolute beast in that game. And the best part about it was is that Tony Romo, and this is Tony Romo has been just such a great gift to commentary since he's been doing it. <laughs> he really has. He, it's a third down play, and he's calling it right before the snap. As far as where the ball is going to go, he knows it's going to Keenan Allen. PFF threw out a quote on July 7th that Keenan Allen, you know, we have our, Dan, you have the fourth and Staley shirts on, but Keenan Allen says it's third in him. It's third in Keenan, essentially. And that's the truth. Everybody knows where the ball is going to go. And a lot of the times, it doesn't matter if you know it, but you can't stop it because his separation is so good. His, his love for the game and his camaraderie with Justin Herbert is just second to none. They just have such a good um, pairing and mentality in this offense. And what he brings to the rest of this wide receiving unit is just amazing. As a leader, he's great. As a player, he's great. He still does not get the amount of love that he should just because, you know, the, the guy doesn't get double-digit TDs on a year-to-year basis. I understand that. But from a value to this team, especially to a young quarterback like Justin Herbert, you can't talk about it enough. No, he was one catch away from 1,000 yards last year. He, I mean, he's been Mr. Consistent. I think he's gone, like, what, six straight years without missing much? Like, he, he's taken completely away that, you know, injury-prone mentality. Um, and, yes, Ross Aikman came in here with a comment. Raiders fans were so mad. Keenan talked about third and me. There was like, apparently, I didn't know this was a thing. Apparently, Raiders fans say third and Renfro, which. Oh, yeah. They, 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 they created this. I, they, I think they had this saying in the middle of last year. Right. But it's, it's been, but Keenan Allen's been doing this for years. And it was just funny that they were like, no, 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 no. I'm like, guys, let's. Man, look, the, that, the, let, let's not forget the NFL is a parody league. Okay. You could go to a number of different wide receivers on any of the 32 teams in this league, and they would be saying the exact same thing. It may not sound as, you know, much of a good saying and, uh, you know, third and Renfro. Yeah, it's a good like little catchphrase. It may not be as marketing and catchphrase as that, but I guarantee you most of these wide receivers have that mentality. Let's not forget the wide receivers are still the divas of the NFL. Of course they think it's going to be third in them. But Keenan Allen actually is. I think he had the most third down catches of the NFL last year. Like he legit is third in me. So um, yes, Raiders seriously are acting like that's the original to Renfro. Um, it's a common thing for receivers like Jake is saying. Jake, who else? Underrated. That was actually all I had on my list. <laughs> I mean, Brendan Fajoka was brought up. I brought up Gerald Evett. Keenan Allen was another one. You said Austin Eckler. 
I think you're I think you're due for one more, Dan. Oh no, you said Nasir Adderley as well, but I think you're due for one more. So I, I kind of want to go on the offensive line because the, there's, there's a few there's a few guys that you know we everyone talks about Corey Lindsley, everyone talks about Rashawn Slater. Matt Filer doesn't get talked about as much. And honestly, that signing has turned out to be absolute gold for this Chargers team. I don't, don't forget he was he was listed by Sports Illustrated, I think it was last month, as the most underrated player on the Chargers was Matt Fowler. And Dan, I'm sure the argument that you're about to make is going to be a valid one, and it's just going to push that same narrative because I fully understand where you're going with this. It's it's criminal. Like how how consistent he has been. And for a Chargers offensive line whose interior offensive line was so bad prior to him getting here statistically he has been one of the best interior offensive linemen in the NFL and for the Chargers to have Matt Filer alongside Rashawn Slater again like you're kind of casting the shadows a bit when you have Rashawn Slater who's like an all pro as as a rookie then you have Corey Lindsay who's arguably the best center in football and you're right between the two that trio including Matt Filer like if if Matt Filer wasn't there like it, it looks very different so Again, I think it's it's pretty incredible to think now, Jake, how many players the Chargers team has on this team that have like legit skill. And we've talked about it at nauseum, but like the the challenge the Chargers have had in the past is that they're like incredibly top heavy. And then when if one person goes down, Richard the guy God. back the guy backing them up is nowhere near the talent level. Like that's not quite the same anymore. And it's like baffling to me. It's it's wild when you look at like, you know, if Mike Williams goes down, you got Josh Palmer. Like Josh Palmer, I'll I'll take it any day. If you know, if Michael Davis goes down, you have other three corners. If Asante Samuel Jr. goes down, you know, you have Mike Davis there to back up. If uh, I don't know, Drew Tranquil goes down, you have Kyle Van Noy. If Derwin James goes down, you have Nazir Adderley, you've got JT Woods, you've got all kinds of guys. And the interior offensive line. Same thing. Like that is probably one of the strengths of this entire team is the depth of the interior offensive line. You've got Zion Johnson. You've got Matt Filer. You've got Corey Lindsley. You've got Brandon Hymas. You've got uh, Jamari Sawyer. Like all of those you would take. And, and I would not feel bad about any of those guys starting for the interior offensive line. So I think from an underrated perspective, I do think Matt Filer is up there. And also Austin Johnson, no one, like literally nobody's talking about him because yes, I know it's Sebastian Joseph Day, but like Austin Johnson was a top 10 interior defensive lineman. Like he stopped rushes among the best of them. So like up and down this roster, Jake, like there's talent everywhere. Some of which is underrated, but that's just because of how good the talent is around them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's, it's it's still amazing to me when we've said for years that it's always been the offensive line has essentially been the Achilles heel. And we've said it so many times that Philip Rivers is probably sitting back in his couch right now at home just going like, what in the actual hell, man? How come beyond 2006, I couldn't get an offensive line that was performing in this fashion? And I was running for my life. And for Philip Rivers, who can't run, it wasn't very far that he had to run for his life. But still, you get my point. The investment of the offensive line or the reinvestment that should have happened at least a decade ago finally started happening a couple of years ago. And you see that now with the draft picks of Rashawn Slater with Zion Johnson and the free agent moves of bringing in Matt Filer and even at the time, Odea Bushi. And what we thought was going to look pretty good, even in Brian Bulaga, unfortunately, that didn't end up panning out that well. But still, you you get the sense now that especially when you have a young franchise quarterback in Justin Herbert, because remember, let's all forget, let's not forget when Philip Rivers finally took his first snap as a Charger, it wasn't his team yet. It was Ladanian Tomlinson's team, and that's what that offense was built around. It was Marty Ball. Now you have a completely different shift with it being Justin Herbert's team. He is... The, the ship's going to go as far as he goes, but it, thankfully you have a coach now, and especially the way that the league has changed, develop more into a passing league. You need as many good offensive linemen to protect your franchise as you can. We're wrapping up the live Saturday morning Chargers Unleashed episode. Uh, before we get out of here, we are partnering. Now, I know folks probably got a chance to go watch the, the mega crossover. 
that we had a while back. We are also partnering with the folks over at Shock Therapy. Uh, Tyler Lawrence has created, I think this is his third year in a row, he's created a Shock Therapy magazine that kind of goes in-depth on the Chargers roster in this upcoming 2022 season. Uh, he does a great job. We're going to be doing a giveaway here shortly, so be on the lookout for that. Um, but giveaways will be coming for the Shock Therapy Shock Therapy magazine. I think we're going to try to give away three of those if we can. Uh, Jake, anything else you want to tell the great friends before we head out of here for the weekend? Uh, I know the comment was in there. We didn't end, end up getting around to it, but I believe it was NFL Mike's Corner was asking us, Dan, if we were going to be at training camp on the 27th. And the answer is yes, we will be there. Practice starts at 9 a.m. Dan and I will both be there. Uh, would encourage anybody who's in the area, if you're able to make it out on the first day of training camp, to come out and see everybody play. You know, Same time as today. So for everybody saying it was too early <laughs> to wake up Sorry. And, jo- and join the show, I think you'll do it to watch some Chargers football, albeit in training camp. So would love to see everybody out there, but we'll be there first day of training camp on July 27th. Last comment. Jake, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to Chargers Weekly. Anthony Vu, according to Matt Money Smith, Tom Telesco heard learned his lesson after Andrew Luck retired from all his injuries. So on the last Chargers Weekly, I Matt didn't get Money, a chance to hear this. So this is all new news to me. It was actually incredible. Um, he was talking about Tom Telesco's you know tenure over with Indianapolis and the drafting of Andrew Luck and kind of his career and some of the the shortcomings of his career specifically of what Tom Telesco was unable to do for him versus the similarity. And he basically drew incredible parallels between Justin Herbert and Andrew Luck. Basically, you know, year one of Andrew Luck or year one, two, three, four, five, Andrew Luck is just absolutely getting obliterated and they swing and miss on some offensive line help. Andrew Luck's getting bruised and, you know, he's not really sliding very well. He's getting hurt like crazy. And all of a sudden he retires from the NFL. And Tom Telesco possibly could be taking that personally where he did not do enough to build around Andrew Luck. And essentially what Matt, Matt Money Smith was saying was like, I'll be damned if I let that happen again, because it's not every day that you get a second chance at drafting a generational quarterback while you're GM one, you get Andrew Luck and now you got a chance to draft Justin Herbert. So now it's like Tom Telesco, I'll be damned if I let Justin Herbert get bashed the way that Andrew Luck did. He goes out and drafts offensive linemen, offensive linemen, offensive linemen. He goes out and drafts and helps for defense now. And he, he was saying he wouldn't be surprised if he goes and drafts another offensive lineman last, next year. So it was interesting. Basically, Matt, Matty Smith saying that Tom Telesco has learned his lesson and is refusing to let it happen again. What happened to Andrew Luck will not happen with Justin Herbert, and he is going to protect Justin Herbert at all costs. That's the first time you've heard it. Do you see the parallel? Yeah, why not? <laughs> I mean, I, I still think of it in the same breath of what I was just saying a minute ago about Philip Rivers and just you know, Tom Telesco's been the GM of this team for over a decade. And I get if he's if you're just triggering it from the standpoint of, you know, Andrew Luck retired in 2019 and and obviously everything that he had to go through in Indianapolis. I think he had what was it? I think it was either two or three years that Tom Telesco was the GM there while Andrew Luck was there. But still, just from the same parallel. Why were these things not happening when Philip Rivers was the quarterback? <laughs> so it's just like he's probably sitting back at home, just going like, "What the hell, dude? Like, yep. come on, give me some help too." Yeah, yeah. So, um, so no. All right, guys. I think that's gonna that that's gonna do it for this episode. We're gonna wrap up with Chargers Unleashed uh, live, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, incredible interaction, by the way. Uh, Anthony Vu, Fly Baker, NFL Mike's Corner. We've got Fly Baker. We talked about Craig Smith, friend of the show. You've got Kyle. Short Tucker. answer to short answer to Craig's question there is when yes. he says he can't keep missing camp. The answer is yes. Okay, <laughs> and if it's for no reason, Craig, then to not miss camp, you know what's happening next April, my brother. Invitations coming to you soon. Oh, there we go. Okay, guys, for Jake Hefner, you can find him at Jake T Hefner on Twitter. Myself at Chargers Homer. Again, if you guys do not already subscribe, hit the like and subscribe button on YouTube. Follow us wherever you guys find your podcasts. And on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, otherwise, Jake, enjoy your weekend. Do you have anything planned this weekend? You doing anything fun? No, it's going out with some friends tonight. Enjoy the night. Uh, dinner and drinks, obviously. Tomorrow's just a relaxation day. Had teppanyaki last night with the wife. Uh, it was delicious. So can't falter that. Can't falter that. It's just a relaxing, mellow weekend. But damn it, I need my Sundays 
to be occupied by NFL football once again. The good news, Jake, is we only have one more weekend. That doesn't help. That doesn't help. I told you the days feel like <laughs> dog years during this purgatory <laughs> season, Dan. Okay, don't remind me that there's only there's one week left. Fair, fair. All right, guys. Uh, for Jake Hefter, Dan Wilkes on LAFB, guys, thank you guys so much for tuning in to Chargers Unleashed. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the weather. Enjoy your loved ones. And we'll talk to you next time on Chargers Unleashed.